The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo on AM Live. Turning the spotlight on the big issues and the people behind them. Very, very exciting morning uh, because today we are hosting Children's Parliament in studio. And we're talking to children between the ages of 12 and 16. And um, we are doing this in light of what is currently happening out in the Free State. It is the fifth annual Nelson Mandela Children's Parliament, and it winds up today in the Free State Provincial Legislature. Now, the gathering avails an opportunity for the country's youth to voice their ideas, their thoughts, and their feelings, allowing their opinions to be listened to and included in the country's social and political decision-making. The Department of Social Development, they are there and they're always telling us that, you know, they actually speak to these children. They listen to these children and those views are actually taken into account when it comes to for, uh, policy formulation. So this morning on the Forum at 8, we take a look at South Africa through the eyes of these young people. So strap yourself in for it because I suspect there may be some things that the parents may not be ready for. Maybe there are some things they don't want to hear, some views that they may be uncomfortable with. But we encourage the young people this morning to basically sit back, relax, and just give us your view on whatever it is that we decide to touch on this morning. And as always, the lines are open, 0891-104-208. So you're more than welcome to weigh in, ask questions of our young representatives this morning, or maybe you just want to give an opinion on something, because gone are the days when children are to be seen and not heard. They demand to be heard. And of course, they have rights enshrined in our constitution. One of the other things that gets many parents hot under the collar creates some very unpleasant situations in some instances. Um, this week, a colleague was sharing a situation whereby his sister was actually uh, to appear in court because her daughter had laid a charge against her because she was trying to discipline the child uh, for something that had happened. So they appeared in court and will try and, uh, for our benefit here, get an update on what the situation is. But you can imagine when children go back into the home after you've gone and reported your parents to the authorities, what happens then? Uh, because you need to go back and live together. Are we prepared? Do we know what to do? Let's find out because they always say we don't listen to them. So let's try and listen this morning. Our guest, uh, Butlati Kekana, uh, she's in studio. She is, um, well, let me tell, let me give her an opportunity to introduce herself, whichever way suits her. Um, good, e- good morning, listeners. <laughs> I'm Butlati Kekana. I am 17 years old and I am in grade 10. Um, I help run a project called Choices for Young Voices, and we basically go to um, schools and we talk to the students about social issues, so your teenage pregnancy, drug and alcohol abuse, and subject choice, crime, and all things along those lines. We also have in studio 13-year-old Chad Kubert. Thanks for coming through, Chad. How would you like to introduce yourself? Hello, I'm Chad Kubert. I'm 13 years old, and I'm a prefect at Rivera School. Oh, okay. That's what we need to know. Chad is a prefect uh, leader here in studio. And then joining us uh, from Bloemfontein, where the Children's Parliament is currently sitting, as I said, it winds up today, uh, Patutezo Nekavambe, who joins us now. Thanks for speaking to us this morning. 
you so much. It is an honor to be on air on your show. Well, the honor is all ours. But let me start by asking you, do you think that it's important for children to actually weigh in on matters as important as policy formulation? Why should we listen to children? You don't work. You, you, you don't have an income. You don't pay taxes. Why should we listen to you? Um, well, you should listen to us because the policies in which you're formulating affect us as children. I mean, what's the point of making a policy that affects children without involving them? What is the rules that you're making? They are not really benefit. Um, they don't really benefit us in any way. So um, the reason why we want the adults to involve us is so that we get to have a say in what in how we want the country to treat us, instead of just waiting for adults to do something for us. As our CEO has once said, she said that um, our former president Nelson Mandela has said. We do not work for the children, but we work with the children. Wow. But, but, but I mean, yeah, we, we, we understand all of that. But we are adults. We've lived a little. We've been through things. We know what is best for you, Butlat. Um, I just want to add on to what she said. We are also the future leaders. So if we get a, a base right now on how to run the country, then it will benefit all of us. Because we know from our childhood what to do and what's not and what not to do, and then that will pass it on to our children. Basically. What do you mean you want to base on how to run the country? <laughs> because you are children. Why, no. do you wanna, why are you even thinking about running the country at this point? Because we are the future leaders. If we don't know anything about our country, then how will it be run when everyone else is not here? Then it's just a form of chaos. Huh? Well, um, well, there's there's this saying that's very popular in society these days. It says that children are the futures of the leaders, mm-hmm. or are the leaders of the future. But one thing that we should be saying is that children are the leaders today. We should start being leaders today in order to bring South Africa into a new, brighter generation. Because if we wait for tomorrow, then we'll keep on procrastinating. And when is it really tomorrow? If you think about it. Exactly. So tomorrow is today is what you are saying. <laughs> exactly. That is what I'm saying. Because yesterday um, was tomorrow to the day before. Yes. Yeah, we're in trouble. Chad? <laughs> I agree. I think that um, like it's better to start today so you can like grow. You know? Yeah. So what exactly do you want to do today? Start learning to run the country, you know. This bugs me. When you say you want to learn to run the country, what, what exactly do you want to do? You know, make a bet, better South Africa, basically. And, like, there are a lot of things that need change in South Africa. Like what? Um, <laughs> like, we would, if I were to be president for one day, I would definitely go out there, you know, build libraries and sports facilities for children in the rural areas. And because we, we tend to forget about them sometimes, we, we, know that, we know that they don't have libraries where they can study. They don't have resources that they need in order to pass an exam. So building uh, resource libraries or getting psychologists out there, you know, to guide our, our youth would be very beneficial. And we'd want to 
you know, educate teens on more, on the consequences of, let's say, alcohol abuse or teenage pregnancies, you know, stuff for along those lines. So you want to educate the teenagers. Let's get stuck in. Patricia, <laughs> um, let's, let's start with uh, teen pregnancy. What are your views on that? Um, well, my views is that children are given a bit too much freedom. We do not understand exactly why we have the rights we do, and we tend to abuse them. So as an ambassador, my duty is to educate the children about their rights, not only uh, um, how to use their rights as a school, like, okay, you have this right, you have that right, now go out there and use it, but rather to understand why they have that right and to understand the responsibilities that come with their right because before they can understand fully what that right means and not taking it to, um, and not using it to their own advantage, they should mm-hmm. first understand how it affects the whole society as a whole, such as their right to education, they just go like, I have a right to educate to an education, but then they don't study. They want better facilities. They want a library. They want a laboratory. But then with, this, with the little facilities that they do have, they do not use them to their advantage. So my duty is to educate them on their rights. You first start with what you have and then build up on it. Before you ask for more, first work with what you have and make something great out of it. So, so um, teenage pregnancy... Mm-hmm. Teen pregnancy, with yes. Teenage pregnancy. So with teenage pregnancy, I feel that, yes, it is a menace to society, but that we can curb it because it seems as if it's now popular in a way, so to speak, but then, I don't know how to say it, but then the way society looks at teenage pregnancy is like, they are now accepting teenage pregnancy. And I'm not saying that they shouldn't because the child really does matter. But then there should be means in which to educate the girls that sometimes you just have to first focus on yourself as a person before you try to discover yourself with the world. Well, you say the girls. What about the boys, Chad? Um, yes, there is a lot of controversy on that issue. <laughs> but I feel that... Before we go to the boys, let's first start with the girls so that they gain self-esteem and they start respecting themselves before we go to the boy child. And we need more fathers in our communities to help lead the boys and be better leaders because there's only so much you can do to help people understand that some of the things should just be left alone. But then if we get fathers involved in communities, then we feel that this whole teenage pregnancy epidemic will decrease. Chad, what's your view? I agree. I also think we should start with the girls first because, um, you know, because the girls carry the baby and they have to take care of the child and that puts a lot of stress on them. But what about the boys? Because, yes, the girl carries the child, but uh, the boy is very instrumental in creating that baby. <laughs> um, if you look at it, sometimes... Um, the boys are not in the picture. They tend to deny that the, the baby is theirs. So it it also adds a lot of drama to the girl's life. It's add more stress now because when the baby starts growing up, how do you explain to, to him or her who their father is and how they came into this world? Mm, but uh, why do you think, knowing what you know, why is it then that you still have teenagers falling pregnant um, if statistics are anything to go by, at least reported cases, now more than ever? 
Well, there's also um, crimes such as rape, you know, and some girls are also involved with, let's just say, sugar daddies. <laughs> you know, they, you, you have an adult man um, giving you money and you, sometimes they end up needing the money. So a way to say thank you to that man would sometimes having sex with them. But then I also think that the, the girls are too young to understand what they are getting themselves into. Because maybe for them, it's just a shortcut to get money. Do you have friends who have sugar daddies? Uh, no, but I, I know of people. <laughs> I don't have friends. Have you, have you had opportunity to speak to them, to, to, to get to the bottom of why they would find themselves in a relationship with a man who's much older? Yeah, some of them think it's a, a lavish lifestyle to live. It's, okay, I have an iPhone 6, I can, get, I can wear fancy clothes, that's, how, that's their attitude towards it. It's if my mom's not going to give me money, I'll go get it somewhere else. You know, that's their attitude towards it. You? Part two? My, um, okay. My opinion to sugar daddies is really, it, I, it, I think with, with myself, I think that it comes from how we are losing ourselves as Africans. We are losing the very essence that makes us Africans like, with the men, they are losing their sense of responsibility. How do you feel about yourself going and courting a 14-year-old girl? That's just, there's something wrong with the picture. So mm-hmm. I feel that we first deal with the men in society and get them to go back to their roots and be responsible leaders, be responsible fathers, be responsible uncles, be responsible community members so that they take care of the girls in the community because if we have young wives, as Africans say, um, then we lose a lot of potential um, economic drivers because they don't get an education anymore. They drop out of school. And that is a very big problem in South Africa. So if we just get people to understand, especially the men, to understand that they have to protect their young girls in their communities, then um, I feel that South Africa is going places if that can just be solved. Whoa. Are you listening? If you're a sugar daddy out there, you are causing us to lose potential economic drivers because you are messing up these girls' futures. Not me saying it. It's the young people here. Sugar daddies. And, and is it only young girls, you know, who have these pressures, Chad? No, not really. Um, you think boys also have the same sort of pressures with older women chasing after them? A bit, yes. I think, I think a the, bit. I think the pressure is different because society tends to pressurize women more than men, if that makes sense. And um, I also think we're pinning it a lot on the men, and it's also, but it's also the the girl's choice as well because you do have a choice and they just need to learn that there's that you have a choice to anything that you want to do it's a choice you don't have to do it i understand with the choice thing but then if you're influenced by an older man who promise who gives you a lot of promises then as an immature 14 year old or 15 year old it's obvious that i'm going to fall into that trap 
there's almost nothing I can do. Yes, I might say no, but if the person is persistent, then it's obvious that I'm going to eventually say yes. And they know that and they use it to their advantage. No, I, I totally disagree with that with that statement because, I, I in my opinion, if you know yourself as a, as a teenager, if you know that you want something out of life, you won't... You won't let them pressurize you into doing things that you don't want to do. You can say no. It's not hard to say no. For some people, it is. But in my opinion, it's not hard to say no. And then if they keep following you around, you, it's not, you can always report them. You can always report them. Do, do, do you know what statutory rape is? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, 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 so what is it? Patu? It's when an adult, it is when an adult has um, sexual relations with a child under the age of 16. Great. So, so so you know what it is. And do you think that other young people are aware of this? Yes, they're fully aware of it. They're fully aware I, I, of no, it. I, I think that they, they are, are aware not of aware of it. They just take rape. They don't even look at the statutory um, part of the word. They just look at the word rape and they're like, no, I agree to this, so it is not rape. They do not understand what that word means. So I feel that a lot of people do not understand it. They just put it under the category of rape. Like, I didn't consent, but because they had sex with an older man and they had said yes, then they don't feel that it is rape. So what do you think should happen? Why um, isn't there a greater awareness amongst young people about what statutory rape is and what the consequences thereof should be or is? I think it's a, it's a very touchy topic because some people, when you mention rape, some people get emotional. So you don't want to um, you know, address an issue and then insult other people while you address it. It's a, it's a very touchy topic. So uh, w- what do like you think the role of parents should be in this case? That the parents should, you know, educate their children about it. They, they should sit us down and have the talk, you know, the birds and the bees talk. They should talk to us about that. And Chad is laughing, but have <laughs> you, did you have the talk with your parents? Yes, I had the talk. Chad, uh, Chad have you had the talk? Not really. I had to learn everything from school. From school, what are you, what are they teaching you at school? About they teach us about rape, um, physical and emotional changes during puberty and things like that. And do you feel that is sufficient, or uh, would you like to have a talk with your parents about some of the questions you may have? It would be more educational, yes. To speak to your parents, why do you think your parents haven't broached the subject with you? I think that maybe they are, but, you know, as she said, a bit emotional about it. <laughs> <laughs> they are a bit emotional about it. So uh, do you think it's because they're struggling to come to terms with the fact that you are now at a stage in your life whereby um, there are certain developments taking place, certain desires that are cropping up in you, the, whom they still see as their little baby? Yes. So are you going to try and speak to them, ask them to have the talk with you? Yes. Okay, and you'll keep us posted on what the outcome of that is. Okay. Well, we are speaking to young people this morning, having a mini children's parliament here, getting views from our youngsters. They are telling us uh, what it is that they see the world as, so we're taking 
a journey through their eyes. And we're going to touch on many more subjects, but you are also welcome to weigh in and ask a few questions of our guest this morning. Anonymous is in Durban. Uh, good morning. Thanks for calling. Good morning. I'm uh, <laughs> just loving listening to, them, to some of the, uh, all the comments there. But uh, one thing I've, I've just picked up on is you really, really have some, some very, very bright young minds there. And it's actually refreshing to hear about those strong kids, especially coming from one of your, I think, of, of the lady get you, uh, you have there. Anyway, um, I just want to touch on the, you know, on the, um, the moving away of society from the basic you know, responsibilities um, uh, that we are doing even as parents and as society as a world. I really, really want to stress you know, the importance of, of creation of values because one of the things that young people can do even a simple thing like even praying for your parents to really, really give you good advice. Because one of the of the of reasons why I raise this in every parliament, uh, okay, most parliaments in the in the world, they use the Bible, you know, when you like sworn in all those things. Then, but if you look at some, uh, it's some of the um, of the laws and some of the issues that we just, that um, are being um, uh, debated in parliament, we move away from 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 what the Bible says, what 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 values, you know. That, that it holds because it says the Bible, you know, raise a child according to, to the way we want them to be. When they grow up, they will not move away from the laws. So if you raise a child responsibly, they are going to be actually responsible leaders for our, our nation. And touching on the important, important, important issue that our, our the lady raised, the official rights, I don't know why at this time and age our country still does not enforce the law because we have got a very, very beautiful constitution which the whole world applauds. But unfortunately for us who live in this country, that constitution, that constitution, we don't see the values of it. Why are people not being, being persecuted? No matter how rich or how poor you must be, if you are involved with someone younger than, than what the constitution says, that person needs to be persecuted. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much, Anonymous. And um, as the, our guest this morning was saying, it's a very, very touchy subject, this one. Uh, Kalala in Durban, good morning. Uh, good morning, Sakina. Yes, uh, I'd like just to make a comment about this uh, topic. You know, uh, working as a medical officer in Japan for about 10 years now in obstetric department, I want to make just a comment about this uh, topic regarding sugar baby and teenage pregnancy. You know, uh, the pregnancy is always to blame uh, the sugar baby. But if you see uh, most of these kids who are coming to the hospital pregnant, the 13-year-old, the 12-year-old, 15-year-old, when you ask them how old is the father, most of the time it's 16, 17, 18. People must not forget that the 16-year-old boy can make a, a, a lady pregnant. And when these kids, they're giving them a right to have sex of young age, the 16 and the 12 years, they can make themselves pregnant. They must not forget that. And uh, I really uh, support the view of uh, one of uh, your guests there, was saying that uh, is, uh, they, they must try to educate themselves first to the kids. Because uh, if the parents want to spare them, to punish them or whatever, I don't think that we're going to win anything. That is very important for them. Because they must not forget that the young boys, 15 year old, 16 year old, they can still make them pregnant. They must not think that it's only the sugar baby who can do that. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, uh, Kalala. And they nodding. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo on AM Live, turning the spotlight on the big issues and the people behind them.
Welcome back and uh, the Forum at 8 this morning. We're having a little mini parliament. We're looking at uh, the world, at South Africa, through the eyes of young people. And uh, Butlati, Chad and uh, Patuchedzo are our guests this morning. And uh, we're talking through some issues that affect young people and what their views are on these. And I want to um, uh, just get to some of the issues that our listeners are raising here. At Malunga says... um, could you discuss the issue of corporal punishment in the home and safety in schools and also the issue of child marriages? So three things there, and maybe just very briefly, let's run through them. Chad, let me start with you. Corporal punishment in the home. Do you think that uh, parents should have the right to basically uh, chastise their children through corporal punishment in the home? What's your view on that? I don't really don't think so. You can... If you have a problem with your child, you can just talk to him. So no, no slapping on the head or nothing. No. Yeah, I agree with him. Cause you end up being scared of your parents. You end up being scared of the fact that they are going to hit you. If you want to speak to them about something, you'll be scared that they'll hit you because of what you're what you're asking. So, so, so you're saying no to corporal punishment no. in the home. So, what happens in the event that your parent does then? Give you a few whacks, uh, Chad. I think that you'll you won't really like you'll lose the love. You'll just feel fear. You lose the love for your parent. Um, I feel that there's actually a difference between corporal punishment in the home and discipline. Um, in the home, if you are calling it corporal punishment, I would believe that that is abuse. But if it's discipline, then they should know the limit because. I was disciplined as an African child, and I feel that in a way it did help me because my parents knew the limit as to how far they could go, but then um, if it goes too far away and the child is battered and cannot walk, that is now abuse and corporal punishment instead of discipline. So so what should happen in that case? Uh, you know, Because it's difficult to... T- excuse me, to draw the line because some children would say they don't want to be touched at all. You, you will not take a stick to me at all, whether it be a belt or a slipper or a faduk or whatever it is that parents use. Uh, some children say absolutely not. You will not touch me in that way. Um, that is why earlier on I said that children do not exactly understand their rights they abuse them and they take they take advantage of their parents' kindness and patience. And sometimes I understand from a parent's point of view that sometimes they just lose it and they just have to discipline them in England because talking is just not working. And we do have to acknowledge that because not every case of corporal punishment in the homes was actually corporal punishment. It was more of a way of discipline. It was a means of discipline. Well... <laughs> I, I like to disagree with you because it sounds like, well, to me, it just sounds like you're saying that talking will not resolve anything, but corporal punishment will. No, what I'm saying is that sometimes talking is just not enough. And if the child is stubborn, and there are a lot of stubborn children out there, then <laughs> talking just won't do. Okay. <laughs> yeah, ask us parents. There are a yeah. lot of stubborn children out there that we don't always know how to deal with. But let's move quickly along uh, to the issue of child marriages. What's your take on that, Putlat? I mean, if they're forced, hey, 
the child doesn't really know anything about marriage. Like now you, you go to school, you come back, now you, all of a sudden you have a husband. It doesn't make <laughs> sense. Um, I just think it's just, in my opinion, it's wrong. You should be able to choose your own husband when you're old enough to do it. Because I don't think in your teens you know exactly what you're looking for in, in a man. In so no opinion, to child marriage. No to child marriage. Um, uh, Patu, what's your view? Um, my view is the same as her view is. And did you know that more than 2 million girls in Africa get married before they even reach the age of 18? This is a scary fact. And self-marriage is a reality in South Africa, and we should stop looking at it as if it happens in other countries. But it really does happen in South Africa as well. And a lot of people in communities keep quiet about it. They justify it, and we should not do that, because when we have a situation wherein the society members keep quiet about issues such as child marriage, then we have no foundation in which our community can stand on. If we do not protect these children who are forced into marriages, sometimes by their parents because of poverty, then is there really any, um, can we actually say that we have a community that can support our children. Mm, interesting. Goes back to some of the um, uh, sayings, uh, some of our truisms as people that it takes a village to raise a child, not just your exactly. mother and father. Because back in the day, everyone would be your parent. Everyone would be on the lookout. Everyone would basically feel that they had the right to discipline you if you were in the wrong but today, children say, you will not touch me. And their parents will reinforce that notion, coming to tell you, <laughs> how dare you touch my child. But uh, let's move on to politics. What do you want from your leaders, Chad? I just want them to, you know, try more. You know, stop the corruption, you know. I mean, I mean, stop the corruption. Uh, just a moment, just a moment. <laughs> but let's see, what corruption? What is corruption? I can't exactly point out like like the dictionary word but it's an you know relax just tell me what what's your view because we hear this word all the time so it's not surprising when we speak to young people and they talk about corruption but I'm just trying to get your understanding of what what could possibly uh, be termed as corruption like unlawfully Things that are unlawful that they don't do right, like the police. I heard this um, on the news that the police is giving criminals guns. Uh huh. And what's your view on that? I think they should, you know, fix the problems. How how do you think they can fix that problem? You know, firing the police that are corrupt. You know. Oh, okay. No, I agree with him because if uh, the policemen are the ones that are giving the criminals guns, that just means that they're promoting crime. And yeah, what he's saying well, makes sense. Well, from my leaders, mm-hmm. from my leaders, I want a lot of things, but I can't exactly pinpoint them at the moment because <laughs> they're too many. They're too many. Yeah. Exactly, they're too many. But then um, one thing that I would say is that 
we do see the effort that they make, but we feel as if they make a lot of decisions nowadays without first consulting the public. Such as, um, um, did you hear about how they wanted to get rid of the Christian holidays from the South African calendar to make it fully, um, to make it a democratic country wherein it's not governed by any religion. But then, if this really is a democratic country, then I believe that people should have a say in what laws are passed in the country. But then it seems as if they are not regarding us as citizens anymore. It's as if we are not important anymore. Hmm? Yes. So we are not important. What do you want to see? What do leaders need to do to, in order to make you feel like you're a citizen, that you're important, that you matter? To involve us in lawmaking, what we are doing here in the Children's Parliament, um, we are making laws for children. But then in the um, adult parliament, if I may say, um, we don't really see, if I may, we don't really see the people being represented fairly. It's as if it's a certain group of people that are represented there instead of the country as a whole. We don't hear everybody's opinion. When a law is passed, it just goes to Parliament. They debate about it in Parliament, but then it seems as if they don't ask public opinion about it. Oh, but, but they do. They take Parliament to the people, and they say whenever they do these things, the public at large, is, they are not interested. They don't go to these meetings, and then they complain after the fact. Yeah, I, I have a question for you. How would you suggest that they involve people? Well, before a, um, before a law is fully passed, why is it not taken first to the people, introduced to the people, the people then decide whether they want it or not, and then it can go to Parliament. Before it is um, um, put in the portfolios, how about the people first talk about it? Because such as the one that I just gave an example of right now, about how they wanted to do away with all Christian holidays. Mm-hmm. Did they first go to the public and say, do you want the Christian holidays to be removed or not? Because if they, were, if they had gone to the public, the public would have said no. But... I don't think that they did go to the public, and now they are discussing, debating about it in Parliament, and it's wasting a lot of time. If they had just asked the public, the public would have said yes or no, and if um, it was more of like a 50-50 situation, then it would have gone to Parliament. Because I feel that by debating about something such as the Christian religions in the South African, um, the Christian holidays in the South African calendar, that they are wasting time that they could have used to debate about something of more importance than holidays. Um, okay. I also have another point to raise. <sighs> okay. Do you not think that um, involving the public would also create fights among the public? Well, do you not think that if they do pass that law, such as that one, if they do pass it and get rid of all the Christian holidays, do you not think that there is already going to be chaos? There is going to be chaos, but I'm, I'm saying it as how, when you say involve the public, it will also be a discussion or a debate by the public, and then there will be fights starting because the other one doesn't believe what the other one is saying. So sometimes... I believe... No, you can I ahead. believe that we live in a democratic country and that we all should have a say in how our country is run, 
and what laws govern us. So if we are not involved in that process, then I don't think that we are truly living in democracy in mm-hmm. a democratic country, but that we're just hiding behind the word. Mm-hmm. We're hiding behind the word. Okay, but, but but let me put it to you this way. If we always took everything that we intend doing as a country, every and any law that we intend passing to the people, don't you think it will take forever and a day for us to reach consensus first and foremost, uh, if we ever do? But also, if you, think, think- like, if you think of something, let me give you a practical example of, say, um, gay rights, for example, giving people um, the right to same-sex marriages. If we took that to the public and couple that with the example that you've just given of Christian holidays, do you think, given that the majority of South Africans subscribe to the Christian faith, do you think that gay people would have enjoyed the sort of rights that they do today under our South African constitution and law? Patu? No, no, I do not think that. However, we, I believe that we have, we sh- by now we should have come into the realization that the world is changing and that even though we cannot ex- we as individuals cannot accept other people's preferences something as major as public holidays such as the Christian holidays they um, provide no they produce a lot of income to the South African economy because Easter, there are a lot of Easter promotions. If Easter was taken away, it would not only impact the people of the Christian faith, but the country as a whole, because these people will buy more. Consumers will not buy as much, because there's really no point in buying anymore. And also, if Christmas was all of a sudden erased from the, ca- um, from the calendar, it would mean that our mm-hmm. country will also suffer, because no Christmas promotion, and our economy will not grow. Why are you shaking your head? <laughs> no, I I agree with what she has to say, but to some extent. <sighs> no, yeah. I agree with what you do say, but I'm just saying that something that um, affects more than just the people, but a country as a whole, should be brought to the public. I mean, with gay rights, it affects people what they believe in, but it does not affect their lives and livelihood. But if you take away something such as a holiday that generates a lot of income to our, to our country, it would mean that it not only affects the people of the Christian faith, but it affects the country as a whole. Okay. Because people, most, some people depend on those um, holidays to get um, jobs, so to speak. Well, uh, let's move on. Um, yeah, they tell me we need to, to take a break, but I want to come back to education and, and, and how our young guests see South Africa. What is the state of the nation through their eyes when we come back? Let's do this. If you still haven't caught the rugby fever, then you must be hanging out with the wrong crowd. Catch the Springboks on the 7th of October 2015 as they square up against the mighty USA at the Olympic Stadium in London. Tune in to SABC2 at quarter past five or your favorite radio station for all the sizzling action. Let's do this. 
Hi, I'm Jeannie D. I'm Bonang Mateba. And I'm Bonnie Mbuli. And welcome to our apartment. As we take you on a journey of self-expression. We do it stylishly. We do it lavishly. From food, fashion to DIY. From live performances to inspiring stories. This is your time. Express your curiosity. Express your boldness. Express yourself with Afternoon Express weekdays at 4pm. Find us on 3. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo on AM Live. Turning the spotlight on the big issues and the people behind them. Quena Machela says, uh, the, uh, I think the elder Pali can learn a few things from children's Pali. Take issues to the people and many people just expressing their admiration saying that um, they are humbled they inspired as does a shorty senyolo who says I'm inspired by these young leaders of tomorrow they must just hang in there because through them the future looks bright but before we get to the top of uh, the hour I want to run through the issues of education because you all still at school so quality of education in South Africa what's your view on that Chad? There isn't a lot of schools that has quality education. Some schools don't have books, they don't have tables to write on. And there's a lot of child killings in school, a lot of violence and just How does that impact on you as 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 a young learner yourself? It's like it um how does it make you feel knowing that all of this is going on in an environment where you are meant to receive an education? It makes me feel bad because if they don't learn now, then they won't know anything in the future. South Africa won't be brighter then. It will just get darker. <laughs> wow. Your view? No, um, I agree with him. He makes sense because if all of these things are happening in your environment where you go to school, then South Africa is unfortunately heading for darker times, as he says. But what do you feel about, because I hear you people talking about quality education. What, what does quality education mean to you? I think when most people think of quality education, they think of private schools, maybe, with their system of educating their students. Mm-hmm. And I know now there are a lot of students who are who are used, who are doing the A levels, you know, because they they think that South African education is not up to standards, because when you go overseas, it becomes much more difficult to enroll into a school overseas. So I think that's how people um, are viewing it. Yes, Patu, I was coming to you. <laughs> um, I think that believe it or not, South Africa's education, the curriculum that we um, do learn it is good um, compared to some of the curriculums around the world because I know that last year I had the opportunity to go to an exchange program in Canada and I was able to do grade 12 math while I only learned grade 10 math um, when I only learned grade 10 math in South Africa so I feel that it is not exactly the quality um, the education um, the quality of the material that we're given but rather the way in which we are taught. I feel that we are taught the way that our teachers were taught back then. But then I feel that if something was done to make learning more exciting, then then children will be more willing to learn. And this whole 30% thing, it should not 
just be there and discouraging children from aiming higher and saying, okay, it's a 30%. If you aim towards a 30, then you're fine. But then we should not see it as what we should aim for, but rather we as our as the children of South Africa should strive to increase our marks and increase the pass rate by showing the government that the pass rate that you have set down for us is so low that we are exceeding it. So we should not wait for the government to change the pass rate first. We should change it ourselves by studying harder, getting higher marks, and then we go to the government and show them that we are willing to learn, we are willing to get higher marks, but right now it's your turn to change the pass rate so that others that come after us do not be discouraged or, uh, yeah, do not be discouraged by that pass rate because it is so low and it is an embarrassment for the children of South Africa. Well, um, Butlati, the state of the nation, how do you see South Africa right now? Um, I'm comparing South Africa to post-1994. I was not there, but from what I've studied. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think South Africa has definitely changed in a, in a good way. But we still have a long way to go. And... It's it's promising. It's a promising country. We 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 will eventually get there. Maybe we will not live to see it. Probably our children's children's children will see it. Oh my goodness, <laughs> Chad. I agree. Right now it's good, but it could get better for South Africa. Apatu. Um, I'd say that it was good of um post nineteen ninety four, but then somewhere along the line. We stopped growing more as a country, and then we just stabilized. And we are supposed to keep on growing. And I'm not talking about infrastructure or whatnot, whatnot, but as a country, we are not growing as one. We are not exactly as united as I would expect we would have been by now. But that with hard work and, um, and dedication, we will get there. Well, it might take a few years, but we will get there. We will get there. So if you were advisors to President Jacob Zuma just for one day, <laughs> what's the one thing you would advise him to do as your parting shot? Go to the rural areas. I feel like people forgot about them. It's He's more focused. Okay, not he. But he, it's more focused on the urban areas instead of the rural areas. I think that I would definitely advise him to go there first. Mm, simple. Go to the rural areas, Mr. President. Chat. I agree. Um, I think he should build more houses. And I learned about people who don't have, really have toilets. They use a bucket system, which is just not right. So build more houses, eradicate the bucket system. Yeah, government's been talking about that for a while. Um, Patu? Um, I feel that he should be more involved because it seems as if when we do see him getting involved in public matters when he's on hand, it's during election time. Mm -hmm. And I feel that if people were to see more of him, not just during election times or during summits, but just to see that he cares for some of their projects, then such as the children's parliament right now. 
he has never come to the children's parliament since it has been established. But then I feel like if he just shows up and just sees what people are doing out there to better the country, then it will show that he really does hold the best interests of South Africa at heart and that he really does support public participation. So I would advise him to go to, go to the people and reach out to them more. And let me just read a few messages of what people are saying this morning. Stephen Durbin says, intelligent and well-spoken children, why can't they all be like that? And then Dumi says, it's a good idea to teach children how parliament works so that they won't disrupt it when they are elected one day. Eddie in Wadendalsra says, what a program. Greetings to your guest. Awar Tambo once said, the nation that doesn't respect its children and youth is a doomed nation. Children's parliament begins in our homes. Shame on those who abuse and murder innocent souls. These are the future leaders. And then Aubrey Sekele says, teachers should guide these young ones in class about socioeconomic factors. I blame teachers who focus strictly on subjects in class. A good teacher should go beyond the boundaries of maths and focus on guidance in life and the general. And that's from Aubrey. And I think a good one um, with which to end it this morning from uh, King Damane says, uh, Butlati, Patu, Chad, Y'all are what we call Poso this morning. So, <laughs> you see, they understand that language. <laughs> so, thank you so much for coming through. Thank it's been great us. listening to you guys, your insights, your views, and we'll invite you back sometime to talk about more issues. Thanks for coming. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo on AM Live, turning the spotlight on the big issues and the people behind them.